Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. All right, the view from the top, and today we're networking with Shania Amarasuria, creative director for BP De Silva Jewelers. They were founded back in 1872. Wow, what a history. It stretches back to the time when Singapore was a British colony, and one of its perhaps most well-known company employees was Lee Chin Kuhn, the late former Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew's father. He worked at BP De Silva. How fascinating. Uh, The founder's mission of building thoughtful and timeless brands continues today. We're going to meet the creative director, Shania Amara Surya. She is just 29 years old and she's recently spearheaded several initiatives, uh, one of which uses fair mind impact gold. That's a type of precious metal artisanally mined in Peru. And that initiative channels funds towards financing socioeconomic development projects for the mining community. How else is BP De Silva giving back and what is Shania's creative vision for the brand moving forward. This interview is part of a special series featuring speakers in collaboration with the Peak Magazine's Next Gen Leader Series. Shania, good morning. Good morning. (laughs) Welcome to Influence. So tell us, Shania, what happens when a 29-year-old takes over a 148-year-old jewellery brand? So I guess she takes a very deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and I guess for me, I look to our history to kind of get a little bit more inspired. It's been five generations of crafting bespoke jewelry. And um, I guess one of the questions I asked myself was, why does the jewelry um, world need another jewelry brand? Because we had kept it a little bit on a back burner. We diversified into watches, into hydroelectric power and Um, I knew that if we were to revitalize our brand, um, I would want it to be something very different from what I experienced myself. And so my dad put me um, on a mission when I was 19, actually, to walk down Orchard Road and go into every jewelry store and to note down... Yeah, to note down all my experiences, um, how the service was like, what type of jewelry was out there. And I just remembered feeling really intimidated. And I think that's something that's very core to my my goal with this brand is to kind of take out that intimidation and to really refocus it back on human connection because I think that's something we're all missing, especially in a year like this. Mm, beautiful. So how, how do you see this whole idea of connecting jewelry, bespoke jewelry, with this idea of human connection? How does that work in a world where there's social distancing, <laughs> you can't quite connect? So what does that mean for how you deliver um, the goods, so to speak? Yeah, so it's it was crazy. I mean, during um, the lockdown, I think this question was very prevalent in the minds of my team and I. Um, and we started this virtual concierge service, which was um, something we've never done before um, and something I think very few companies engaged with, which is to have these Zoom sessions with our clients and to find a way to make it as, um, how to say, uh, as connected as possible to them, showing them the different gemstones and natural light, taking videos, creating content, and um, making it very engaging. And we actually had one of our biggest sales this year came from California, out of all places. Um, and I've become incredibly close with our clients who had found us online. And um, I think it's just 
I, I guess meeting people with presence and authenticity is something um, at the core of what we do. And in the jewelry business, every um, client that we meet is at some uh, very important chapter of their life. And to me and to my team, it's kind of an honor to meet them at that time. And we take it in, we hold space. And I always say we never sell. Like we're just sharing part of what we do and why we've been doing it for so many years. Mm. Even my grandfather, um, great-great-grandfather, sorry, he always started um, his chats with his customers with a pot of Ceylonese tea. It never started with talking about, you know, the gems or the jewelry or the price. It was always about, oh, you know, how, how has your week been? Beautiful. Um, so you never yeah. sell. You're always focused on that connection. And that uh, historically has been the case for this brand. Uh, so yeah. when I was reading about it, um, you know, when I came across that little nugget, Lee Chin Kun, uh, Lee Kuan Yew's father worked mm-hmm. at BP De Silva. What did he do there? Do you know? So from what I know, um, he was actually working on the retail floor. So he had retired from Shell. Um, his previous company and he wanted to you know keep busy and so he joined us at BP's I'm not sure I, I believe it was our shop house at High Street um, and yeah he was just walking the retail floor my father has lots of memories of walking with him and him actually sharing with my father his son's ambitions and it's really wonderful to to hear the story of even Mr. Lee as he was growing up through the eyes of his father Fascinating. She's Shania Amarsuria, Creative Director at BP De Silva Jewelers. This interview is part of a special series featuring speakers in collaboration with the Peak Magazine's Next Gen Leaders series. Shania, um, you just shared such a fascinating story about one employee of BP De Silva. I wonder, is there another story about the brand from your family's treasure trove of <laughs> stories that perhaps few know about that you can share with us? Yeah, definitely. So um, anyone who knows me knows that I always surround myself with trees. Um, It's not just because I'm a little bohemian at heart, but it's also (laughs) because it's a strong symbol of our family, um, especially BP De Silva Jolas in particular. So one of our employees, Mr. Titus, who was um, managing the business in the second generation, um, he hid all of our jewelry during the war under a tree. This is World so, War, right? Yes, mm. World War Two. So when, um, you know, the Japanese occupation was happening, uh, a lot of places were getting looted and um, wiped out. And he had the foresight and the integrity to um, hide it under a tree and to return it. Because if he had just, you know, kept it a little secret to himself and you know, sold it off, as many people did during the war, sold off their jewelry for, for cash, for money, um, none of this, not not any subsidiary of ours would have uh, been birthed or survived without the integrity of one of our managers. So I think that's the heart of any um, business is its integrity and credibility. And that's something I hold very dear. So interesting to hear that the employees of the business essentially look to the business almost as you would uh, to a family, you know, that association that you don't um, do in your family, so to speak. And speaking of family, you, you've mentioned to me that jewelry is in your blood, so to speak, you know, uh, you even travel with gems sometimes much to the chagrin of your staff. Uh, when, when did you fall in love with jewels? Do you have childhood memories? Um, yes, I do. So we had a shop at, I think it was Raffles City, um, and I remember my father bringing me in, and he always 
um, would have chats with the staff and while he was talking to them about business, I would just, you know, peer into the vitrines and look at all the different stones. And um, I think I was also kind of influenced by my grandmother who funnily enough said she was never a jewelry person but had like the most amazing jewelry um yeah she used to wear a really nice royal blue sapphire on her ring so that would glisten you know over lunch and you know as the adults were talking i would have these moments i just kind of get lost in these different colored stones and i guess that just only grew um maybe five six years ago when my father brought me to sri lanka and we would go to the different mines or even along streets. I know that sounds crazy, but we bought like gemstones along the gem streets of Sri Lanka. So that was a wonderful experience for me to understand, wow, there's this whole other universe out there. Oh gosh, I'd like to walk these gem streets, honestly. <laughs> you mentioned sapphire. Is that sort of the um, hallmark of BP de Silva? Yes, most definitely. I mean, coming from Sri Lanka, that is the most revered um, gemstone that we have. And we have some of the best. And and I guess something that a lot of viewers might not know, we have such an array of colors, like every color imaginable in sapphire. Oh, my gosh. It's not just blue, huh? They come in yeah, every known color. Way beyond blue. <laughs> oh, just fabulous. Uh, what's hot now? I mean, I'm sure you deal with timeless trends, but uh, in terms of sort of jewelry or, or jewels that seem popular now, can you clue us in? Yeah. So um, as of late, I noticed with Sapphire in particular, um, we've kind of seen customers looking for Patparaja Sapphires. This is a sunset you imagine like a pinkish peach sort of color um, that is really unusual. It's something you don't really see in nature besides probably a sunset or a certain frangipani. It's a Sanskrit name for lotus. So that's been really popular because that's the rarest of sapphires. And a lot of customers are looking at investments, especially, I mean, in a year like this, right, bank interest is in the highest. Yes. <laughs> People are putting their money in different places, but they also want to enjoy it. I think for men, it would be the luxury waters and for women, um, jewelry. But actually, I have to shoot myself in the foot for saying that because this year, surprisingly, our top customer was a, a male. There you go. <laughs> Buy for himself. Yes, right. we are gender neutral here. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a line? Have you launched a line for, for men this year? So that's a wonderful question. We just had our strategy meeting last <laughs> week and we are in the works of doing a, you know, a men's collection. But then I was also wondering, maybe it would be a unisex collection because I was looking at some of the chains and I was like, oh, I would totally wear that. That's very New York. That's very me. <laughs> ah, yeah, that sounds great. It sounds great. Maybe a mask collection. Yeah, a lot Studded of people have been asking. Sapphires and beautiful <laughs> chains, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I wonder if, if you're the only female to be part of this business, 29 years old. It was started by a great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather? Great-great-grandfather. So are you the only female right now as part of the business um, from the family? So Yes, from the family, yes, but my whole team, I, I'm surrounded by wonderful women. We're a team of five women, but I am the only family member that's um, female, I guess, from, yeah, from both sides of our family that's working in the business. All right, but you do have powwow sessions with members of the family. What is the how do you walk that line between um, you know what you need to do for the business and then balancing you know family relationships while doing that? I think 
though none of the the women before me uh, worked in the family business, they were these amazing matriarchs. Actually, before this radio interview, I was a little bit nervous. I just thought of like my four grandmothers because I have two from my fiance's side. And just imagining their faces always gives me strength. And I, I have a pair of earrings from one of my grandmothers. I always wear on tougher days at work. Mm. So I just feel very close to them. And I think learning from them, um, the I guess the role of, of the women in my family before me was always to bring people together. So even at work, when we have differing views, I make it a point to ensure that family harmony is at the forefront because I think that's the the key success factor for any family business. And I see this even with, um, you know, some of the other businesses that we work with in Switzerland, also family businesses. Um, yeah, this is really the heart of any family business is the harmony first. Keeping family together. That's so beautifully said. All right. What can you share with entrepreneurs who are listening in? I know a lot of women harbor hopes of starting their own jewelry mm-hmm. lines. So for those who want a career in the jewelry business, what do entrepreneurs need to know? Well, feel free to come and have a chat with me because I'm always open. <laughs> Number <laughs> one. Um, I, love, I love the idea of like women, you know, uh, entrepreneurs. Um, I guess advice would be um, get yourself educated, learn what you're selling. I think the the worst thing is to just be, um, you know, over overly ambitious and opportunistic with the jewelry business, which many people are. Fall in love with what you do and and learn it well before you start selling. Yeah, so expose yourself. You know, maybe go to GIA Gemological Institute of America. They mm. have great courses online that you can do by correspondence. Um, and yeah, get certified as a gemologist before you even go into this business because it's all about your name and your credibility at the end of the day. You could close one sale and then that person could figure out, you know, you've done something wrong and then it's ruined forever. But if you want to have longevity in this career, you have to know what you're selling, love what you're selling. And yeah, before you even go into it. Yeah. Well, That's thanks so say. much for popping by on air and getting us all excited about our sunset gems. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. Have a great Friday. You too. Shania Amar Surya is Creative Director of BP De Silva Jewelers. This interview is part of a special series here on Influence. We're collaborating with the Peak Magazine Next Gen Leaders Series uh, to feature speakers. Thanks for joining us. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.